Hello and salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today. We're a groundbreaking non-profit digital newspaper which champions civic engagement while informing and empowering the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the US and other Western countries. I'm Rifat Malik, I'm AMT's Editor-in-Chief, and today we have an interview with Professor of Religion and International Affairs and of Islamic Studies at Georgetown University, uh, John Esposito, who is also the founding director of the Al-Walid Center for Muslim-Christian Understanding in the Walsh School of Foreign Service. Professor Esposito gives his insight on a growing controversy in Canada, where there are calls for the resignation of newly appointed Amira Al-Gawabi, who made history as the first federal representative to combat Islamophobia. The attacks on this hijab-wearing Muslim woman center on previous comments she made about racism in the Canadian province of Quebec. It also comes in the wake of the recent targeting of U.S. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and her removal from a coveted seat on the Congressional Foreign Affairs Committee. This, just as in the case of Al-Gawabi, despite public apologies. Our reporter, Maya Geller, spoke to Professor Esposito. You know, we're, we're in an increasingly outrageous situation. Um, um, many, many years ago, I first started to write about Islamophobia, oh, in the late 1990s, and it wasn't taken all that seriously. Um, Islamophobia then uh, grew enormously, uh, uh, exponentially, uh, but still it was in generally in many circles not taken seriously. Um, uh, yet at times I would say that um, Islamophobia was metastasizing uh, and that one had to realize that just as it's horrendous to see that happening when it comes to uh, anti-Semitism, uh, that Islamophobia had to be taken that seriously. Well, that didn't quite occur. And governments certainly uh, have not been, um, at the end of the day, very responsive. But, you know, whether it's looking, for me as an outsider, I've always looked, uh, I look to Canada as uh, a very open society. Um, uh, as a younger academic, I would have probably thought of moving there, except Toronto was too cold. I had left New England because it was so cold. And so when I saw that uh, Trudeau was, was, was doing something that was significant and taking this kind of lead, um, I, I never expected that it seemed within 24 hours that everything would be blindsided, okay? I mean, one of the things that's happened uh, in, in, in the US, which is very unusual, is that the Biden administration has actually set up a separate unit with a leading expert on uh, anti-Semitism to deal with that. Okay, is not it has not done the comparable when it comes to Islam, uh, and yet you know Canada was ready to do what it did, uh, and then when I saw the where the reaction was coming from and the criticism, uh, it really was coming from, it, it's the equivalent of setting up something to address uh, an injustice or a violate of human a violation of human rights, and then having the very folks who have that kind of legislation and want to have it, object to the person supported and watching Trudeau uh, so quickly uh, drop the ball. I mean, he could have he could have easily said, well, you know, my candidate's very strong. She still is. Uh, she said that maybe at an earlier stage, 
you know, her language may have been a little strong on X, but by and large, you know, we have a significant issue. This is a very significant person. It just so happens simultaneously, just before this all unwound, when I first saw that she was appointed, I went out of my way to jump and look at some of what she said and to actually send her an email and congratulate her. So uh, that's why I, I then felt that I had to respond strongly. One could just let it go, but part of the problem I think that we have with these issues is that we don't make enough out of it. In other words, it, it comes up for a fair amount, but it's not the same as uh, certainly, let's say, uh, uh, if one is reacting to uh, a, a situation of anti-Semitism or reputed anti-Semitism, you know? And, and hopefully in, in America, which is we're still not there, but we're getting more sensitive to responding very strongly about Black Lives Matter. Okay, well, you know, here you have a situation where you have uh, Muslims in Canada, many of them like Muslims in America, who are fully integrated into society uh, and yet have to deal with um, these attempts at marginalization. You know, whether, you know, whether whether you're talking about one part of Canada or you're talking about the far west in Canada, that 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 propensities to do this. So that's why I reacted so strongly, and I and and I felt that uh, it was important. Um, in fact, one of the issues that uh, was raised by, by someone was, um, well, is this a form of advocacy? Well, in the best sense, it is, but advocacy can also be an issue. So, for example with our bridge site. We have all kinds of information on what's happening around the world. We're not an advocacy group, but in fact, we are in some ways advocating something. We're, you know, we're, we're advocating equality. You know, we're advocating human rights. And so I, I, that's why I felt so strongly and that people would make that kind of statement. Whereas you would never say that if you were dealing with an issue of, of anti-Semitism, you know? Uh, so I, I think that's where I was, why I feel so strongly about it. And I, I actually, I couldn't believe uh, that he folded as, as quickly as he did, uh, the prime minister. Uh, uh, it, to me, uh, it's reprehensible. Right, and so um, at the same time, ironically, this uh, removal of Amira comes at the same time as the anniversary of um, the mosque attack or a mosque shooting that happened in 2017 uh, in Quebec. Uh, so what kind of message does, you know, the removal of Amira send, you know, around this time? What, what kind of message does this send to the Canadian Muslim community from their legislators? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, because I... Um, feel very strongly about these issues. I want to, so I want to preface that um, um, people should take that into consideration. Although, um, as a very conservative Republican candidate years ago said, although I'm not a conservative Republican, deep in my heart I know I'm right. Okay, so I, I think it, I think it has to be taken seriously uh, because this is 2023. Uh, because uh, Canada, like the United States, uh, certainly uh, likes to uh, say that it is, you know, a modern democracy, that it sets an example for others. 
uh, and uh, what Trudeau did so quickly and the people who forced that situation with shades of what's gone on in France recently. Okay, maybe not as bad, but it's a slippery slope. And so that's why I think that one has to be very concerned about it. Uh, you know, I, I think that if, if I don't know how Trudeau can, um, can change things unless he's willing to, for example, um, uh, within a short time, make another appointment of a strong candidate. Uh, it seems to me he probably cannot reverse his reverse just because of the politics of it, but a, a signal has to be sent very clearly because uh, there had been instances, even though I follow Canada from a distance, I've also been there in a number of areas and, and talked to Muslim communities. Um, we can't at this point in time uh, have this kind of situation where you still have somebody taken out because what you have is the people that want to take out that candidate are people for whom normalcy is to attempt to define for a Muslim how they should look, to define for a Muslim woman whether she should cover her head or not, or it, 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 where do you go from there? you know, in, in terms of your your attitudes. If you have that kind of attitude, it means probably if you were uh, socially talking among your friends, the you, I'm not you, uh, uh, you'd be saying a lot of other things about Muslims and Islam. You know, we still have many people out there um, who um, believe that Islam is uh, the religion of Islam and, and, and its culture, that somehow this is antithetical to uh, living in a modern democracy. And if they look around, uh, again, this is not um, when I got into the field, which was too many uh, decades ago, I was going to say centuries, <laughs> not a good idea, uh, but too many decades ago to even talk about, you know, we're at this point in history and we still have a significant if we want to say it's a minority in a country, I, I would say it can, it can become a majority, but a significant minority with political clout that ha has a position that it wouldn't dare articulate with regard to, uh, let's say, Judaism. You know, it, it might if, it were, if they were dealing with Sikhs or they were dealing with. So so what do you have a kind of uh, still a sense that a country is simply Judeo-Christian? You see, when I got into the field, that's the way America was seen as Judeo-Christian. Uh, uh, and the reality of it is we've got decades going by, Muslims living there, Muslims mainstreaming themselves, Muslims who are lawyers, who are teachers, who are professors, who are whatever. And one gets into uh, this kind of what, in fact, is discrimination. Um, and so I guess kind of, you know, to that point, um, you know, recently Ilhan Omar was also removed from her seat um, in the House by Republicans. So, um, you know, what, in your view, could have motivated that decision to remove her from her Foreign Affairs Committee position? Oh, that's really easy. The fact is, if you look at um, the beauty of of the ugliness that's emerged in America. We see it in other parts, uh, in, including in Canada, but maybe not to the same degree. 
uh, is reflected in, let's say, American elections from Obama's time, Trump, the statements of Trump about Muslims. Uh, you look at the data, and although we have two political parties and there can be people who are uh, racist in both, uh, the Republicans, when it comes to dealing with Islam and Muslims, among others, including Black Lives Matter. But anyway, let's stick to uh, to this this topic. Um, they they have a, a totally biased attitude towards Islam. Uh, you have to remember that it was a relatively short time ago, several decades, when you had the first Muslim elected to Congress, and and you had Republicans that were saying no, a Muslim could not sit in Congress let alone take the oath on the Quran, but even to sit in, and they still have a problem. We have, we have what, three Muslims, you know, uh, uh, you know, in, and for some people that's three Muslims too, too many. Now, Iran brings a particular problem here, as, as, as does Rashida, et cetera. Ilhan is extraordinarily bright. She's extraordinarily, um, um, strong about what she believes in. She has um, great integrity and her position or her perception when it comes to uh, Palestine um, and the Arab-Israeli issue um, is spot on, but it's completely out of whack with a lot of the people that you see in the Republican Party who were waiting to take her down. Every time, and it was, there were Democrats even before, you know, I mean, during the early Biden period, there were some Democrats that just felt, well, A, she's part of the progressives, the progressives are seen as being too strong, uh, but also she's just too strong when it comes to Palestine and Israel. And, and in America, what that often means is that if you are a really uh, accurate, strong critic of Israeli policy. If you basically say, I am not anti-Semitic, Judaism is a great religious tradition, uh, Jews have made a great contribution, uh, but you are critical of Israeli policies uh, in, in, over the years, uh, that's the kiss of death. Um, and I, I can remember decades ago uh, when I was going to take a position in the US with a colleague who is a famous, very prominent expert on Iran. Uh, he and his wife, uh, invited my wife and I to dinner. And we had this great conversation about lots of things, but all of a sudden we just talked about what we could be doing together and the issues we could do. And then at a certain point he said, well, you know, John, we both have to admit if there's one topic that you can't address and speak about and, and reveal 100% of what you believe. And we both knew what we were talking about, you know, you know, in terms of, so there was always that, that, that holding back. And so some of us that have spoken out and have been attacked, um, you know, you would think that we had been saying outrageous things, but what's outrageous, as you see today, now finally percolating to the top in Israel itself, is that you have a significant number of Israeli leaders, uh, significant and a significant number of the population, that what used to be a, a, a population in Israel where they had a strong, if you will, left or, you know, uh, kind of social, really strongly socially aware, et cetera, uh, that's a very small percentage. They, I, I, they've seen studies on how the younger generation, sadly, actually swings very much to the right and to this kind of religious thing that's happening. So when Ilham was speaking out before, you knew there would be an issue. And you also know that she becomes a symbol 
for these Republicans. They want to come into office and in a number of ways show how they are going to be different and play that to constituencies. And so you've seen that, you know, uh, in, in every conceivable possible way. You know, the fact that we have some members in Congress uh, that, for example, feel free uh, during uh, President Biden's speech the other day to be yelling liar and, 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 and making all kinds of statements that uh, when they're running politically are just simply wrong. And so it was not at all surprising that they went, went after her. Uh, and what they undermine in their rhetoric, and, and this, this is the thing that I think people need to think of is, okay, we didn't all come over on the Mayflower. We're not all daughters and sons of the revolution. America is a country predominantly of people who are not white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, with those kinds of roots. Uh, and so the idea that they you go after somebody who, because she's an, an immigrant, well, I mean, you know, what, what does that really mean? What does that say about us? I remember after 9-11, the day after, um, I um, was flying out to speak to you know a, a Muslim group, and I saw a picture in, in the New York Times of a man at a gas station that had a sign like "Send them all back where they came from" or something, and I saw an Italian American name. Okay, and I the way I handle that usually for initially is to say, "Can't be Italian American, must be owned by somebody else," you know. But all I could think of was there was a good chance that this person was first generation maybe second, but a good chance he could have been first generation. And suddenly people forget their roots and their attitude is any new group that's coming in. And that's what we saw, you know, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, when we saw Muslims more and more populations coming here to study here, staying where they became the new immigrant group. Look at how people responded, you know? And, and, and that's where we're different than you see, uh, not that I support at all the kind of, uh, uh, anti-Muslim attitudes and racism in a good deal of Northern Europe or even in France, but certainly in Northern Europe, you have a population that often, the, the indigenous population goes back hundreds of years. They're all white. You know, they all come from one, one or two Christian denominations. And so dealing with these new immigrants is, but America is an immigrant country. Uh, and so that's, that's where I think it's, it's, it's reprehensible. And, uh, but they, they can get away with it. I, you know, I think ultimately it will backfire, but I think we just better, uh, you know, be aware of the fact that um, that this is a reality. One of the things I would mention to you is you might want to look, there was an interesting story about the area on the other coast of Canada. I think it was in the Calgary area where it talked about and actually interviewed somebody who may have been a mayor or some responsible position and how he had changed his position that the community had been very uh, uh, anti-Muslim or you know suspicious of Muslims, et cetera, and how they had come to not, not just to know them, but to know them in terms of realizing that they were increasingly part of a significant part of the reality and that in fact they could prosper if they accepted them rather than condemning and suppressing them. And I think those are the kinds of things that need to be played up when you have uh, the excessive elitism that occurs with, with some of the Quebec, me you know, mentality. I hope I'm not being too subtle. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so 
so there obviously seems to be this this double standard um because you know both women are obviously muslim they're they're women they're obviously muslim because they both wear the hijab um and you know they have both apologized for their previous comments that seemed outlandish um Yet, as you mentioned before, uh, you still have, you know, right wingers like Marjorie Taylor Greene who are, you know, yelling things um, during a speech. So I don't know, can you kind of just talk more about that situation, that hypocrisy? Well, I think the hypocrisy is even broader than that. I think the hypocrisy is that in the United States, and I'm sure it's in Canada, in the United States, uh, what the, the degree of uh, 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 saying the wrong thing or saying using the wrong words and it could be misunderstood you know and apologizing yes that should occur okay but a huge number of people don't feel that they do that when they're dealing with 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 muslims because they think that what they're saying is true in other words when they when they uh when they exaggerate and uh, uh what a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of some Muslim terrorists have done uh, and forget that you've got 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. And so therefore they're, they're, they feel free to say what they wanna say. Uh, I've dealt with people, I just dealt with somebody last week, a really nice person. Uh, and in order to be really nice, uh, we were uh, uh, buying one of his services. Uh, he engaged me briefly about Islam and Muslims. And he went to say something positive, but he framed it the way he had always heard it. In fact, what he was saying is, well, you know, I, I realize that maybe uh, Islam, you know, isn't a religion that wants to kill everybody, you know, uh, or I can remember a number of years ago dealing with somebody that I had enormous respect for, a professional uh, that, that I was dealing with, uh, really, really, you know, bright and um and at one point he said to me, uh, I understand because we talked a lot uh, now. I understand better that I have to be more aware about Islam. And this is somebody really, really well-educated and really, really nice. And I said, oh, that's good. He said, you know, and, and so I understand that, you know, what's needed is for more Muslim uh, religious leaders to tell their people that the Quran doesn't say that they should kill Christians. <laughs> Rather than saying, to tell them that when ISIS says the Quran says X. So we're still, you know, dealing with that mentality. And I guess I'm being a little even stronger wanting to then say, um, I think that Ilhan and, and in other cases, people have gone out of their way sometimes to say what I said, some of my wording could have been misunderstood, uh, but often their wording wasn't completely off track. Um, it would be a bit like, to use analogies, my analogies always limp, as I tell my students, but given the level of violence against Palestinians, okay, and given the extent to which Gaza has been for, what, 15 years, you know, isolated, um, I don't see any sense of, of comparable outrage coming from American or Canadian politicians it is still not seen as something that one would do. And Trump came as close as you could at times in some of his uh, in, of his statements to being uh, really outlandishly uh, you know, strong. Uh, 
But what surprised me is that the Biden administration and the Biden-Blinken administration pretty much accepted a good deal of what Trump did when it came to Khashoggi. You know, Biden denounced that. Biden said that uh, that the document from our security people should be made public. He made it public. And then what did he do? He went to Saudi Arabia, got welcomed really nicely. And now they talk about their relationship. Um, when you when you talk about uh, Jerusalem and, and the capital having been moved, it should have been every president, Republican or Democrat, however different they were, held on when it came to the question of Jerusalem versus Tel Aviv and how that should be set up. Biden and Blinken came in and accepted that. And, there, and there's more of that that's occurring. So we're really, we're still, it, it's a very disproportionate kind of, politics and political rhetoric that we we have to deal with. Um, I just have one last question for you. So you have obviously spent decades researching about researching and writing about racism and Islamophobia. Um, so where do you think that the US and uh, you know the Western North America um, is headed respecting religious freedom and the treatment of Muslims? I think that in the United States, and I'd like to say in Canada, but you know, I, I'm not an expert on Canada. In the U.S., what we do find is that um, the data does show that, oh, and even globally, about 2015, 2016, a lot of data for the U.S. and Europe shows that uh, Islamophobia became normalized, just very normal conversations that people wouldn't even know that they were saying anything was wrong. As Baroness Wasi said, it became in Britain, it became uh, acceptable dinner. Con, con, discourse or conversation. On the other hand, I would say that you see research by ISPU, you know, the latest research, research and you see uh, a greater uh, awareness uh, and acceptance of Muslims on the parts of significant uh, uh, elements in our, in our society. Uh, and you certainly see a situation where a considerable number of Muslims, not all, um, uh, are, are more positive than many Americans uh, about their future, okay? Because, because for many of them, they are the upwardly mobile, you know, first, second, even third, you know, generation. Not everybody, but, but at the same time, a significant number of Muslims will say that either they, family members, or friends have experienced discrimination and even consistent discrimination. And certainly I've seen statistics that are a great concern in terms of Muslim children feeling bullied in school. So, you know, things have gotten better in, in some ways, uh, but nowhere near where, where they should be. We are finally coming around in the Biden administration to having a couple of Muslims with a profile. One has an ambassador title, uh, but uh, that's really new. I used to give public talks, even with Barack Obama, whom I totally supported. Um, second term, not as much uh, in terms of some of his policies. But what I would do in a public talk is just say to people, okay, so we know what the president says. He's open with regard to Islam and Muslims. I mean, you know, he, he lived in, in Indonesia. He's made statements in Egypt. Okay. And then I would say to an audience, name for me, one member of his cabinet, and I'd go one, two, three, four, five to count. Then I'd say, name 
one thing that he did at one, two, three, four, five, you know, the really pronounced. So, so we're nowhere near where we should should be uh, in terms of uh, members. You know, we, we've had a tradition in our country at times where somebody who was Irish would be the ambassador to Ireland. Okay. Now it's varied when it comes to Israel, but most of the time it's it's been somebody who is Jewish when it comes. Okay. It's never been the case in the Arab world. Uh, uh, under uh, uh, presidents, whether Democrat or Republican, uh, under three presidents, you had the three top people who were dealing with the Arab world and policy who were American Jews. Not one Arab American or Muslim American. And the American Jews that were there were very good credentials. So that's not the issue. But it, it's a question of even uh, when you think about it, of, of optics. You know, you know, would you do that in in another in another kind of a situation? You know, vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis, uh, if you're dealing with a country and, and it's really important, like Germany or Britain or whatever, and then somebody turned around and said, "But you never have somebody of this background," you know, that you're you're looking at. So I I think that uh, it, it's nice to see that Biden has a couple of of, of Muslims in administration, but but nowhere near, and those voices have to be there. You know, I celebrated the fact that he named a Jewish academic uh, who taught, who teaches at, I think it's Emory, uh, uh, and to a, a special position to deal with, you know, uh, Judaism and in many ways, Judaism, the Holocaust, et cetera. There's gotta be something else there, you know. Uh, in, in America, I, I remember, uh, talking to an American politician after 9-11, who's very, very well placed in, in, in US government. Very, very, very well placed. Uh, but I won't mention his name. And uh, he said at the time and acknowledged that, because I heard other senators say that they knew nothing about the Middle East because they designated that to a staff person. They never took it seriously, you know, seriously enough. Well, fast forward, you know, we have a president who, when he goes to the Middle East and is ready to then go to the Arabs, says he's a Christian Zionist. From a political point of view, he's politically astute. I mean, you're there in Tel Aviv, you're going to go and you say things like, I'm a Christian Zionist. And you don't have the comparable, uh, you know, if you don't have the comparable language and if you don't have the comparable appointees, uh, you know, in your cabinet, et cetera, in terms of background, we have become sensitive now to being concerned about Latinos and Blacks, that they should be, you know, more more visible. I still think that there's uh, a long way to go uh, when it comes to uh, uh, to Muslims. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week from me and Maya. Goodbye, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at American Muslim Today. And if you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content, feel free to check out our website, AmericanMuslimToday.com. See you next week on The Muslim Viewpoint.